Payne County, Oklahoma. Welcome back to another episode of Pastors of Payne. Uh, it is August. The school year is about to start. Uh, Father Kerry is back, but uh, schedules didn't quite work out to be able to record. Anyway, uh, I am joined today by a returning guest, a thrice present guest for the Pastors of Pain, uh, Deacon Tom Cabine. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Deacon Tom. Very happy to be here. Uh, and I'm Father Brian O'Brien, pastor of St. Francis Xavier. What a, uh, what a joy. So Deacon Tom, uh, just before we sat down, he, from time to time, just randomly, he tells me about like people he's talking to about becoming Catholic. And it's absolutely fascinating. People from all over the world that's right. That e- reach out to you, email you, uh, you have phone calls with them, uh, and it's just wild. It is. It's it's amazing, and it's uh, not how something do, that I orchestrate. It's something that just <laughs> happens. <laughs> how do they? That's a whole why, different story. Why but. you? <laughs> why are they? Why? Well, I have a very unusual story, uh, in that I, I'm a, a very devout Catholic that started out as a Jehovah's Witness. And over a very long journey of a, almost 25 years, I went from Jehovah's Witness to becoming Catholic. I've always been sort of obsessed with knowing how things work. And, and I, I was a, a, an evangelical Protestant for over 15 years. I was an elder in a Baptist church. And uh, I had these questions. I couldn't make sense theologically of of some of the, the doctrines. That, that was one of the problems. And the other problem is that you go into one religious tradition and you would read the or hear the doctrines and, and read commentaries about the support of the doctrines and it seems logical and it seems like there are proof texts for this. And yet they come to one conclusion and then you go to another place and they also have a different set of proof texts, a different logic, and they come to a completely different con- conclusion. I remember last time you were on the show, uh, you, you, we, we had one episode where you kind of told your conversion story, and then another where you talked about be, the, the life of a deacon. I think, one, if I remember right, the example you used was like infant baptism. That's right. Like, should we baptize babies? And there were, this church said, definitely, you, ha- you know, Catholics or others, Yes, baptism is scriptural, it's, and then the church next door said, "Absolutely not. It is forbidden. Right. You may you may never baptize a baby." And you were like, as a as a Protestant, you were kind of like, "Well, yes, exactly." Who, and who, my, is, who am I supposed? To, which is it? So it really boils down to a, a question of authority, and authority really means authorship. Where do these doctrines come from? And how can we know that? Uh, I probably told a little bit of this story in, uh, previously, but at, in the Baptist church, I just happened to be asked to prepare a class in the history of the church, and I realized that I didn't really know that much about the history of the church. So I bought a number of history books. I wasn't interested in particularly not in the Catholic faith at all, but I was interested in knowing 
where did these doctrines come from? Where, what was the beginning of this process of, of what we now call you know, Christianity? And of course I thought it was the Bible. <coughs> and then I discovered that the Bible itself was not there from the beginning, that, that the writings were around, but they weren't in any kind of form that an average Christian could read them. That you could buy at a bookstore. Yes, exactly. And believe it or not, cheap, affordable Bibles didn't really show up until maybe the 1800s, which is, I mean, really that's late. That's a long time. Yeah, that's, that's, a long that's time. very recent. <laughs> it sure is. And so I began to, to read the, the writings of the men who had been uh, taught by the apostles, like St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was trained as a bishop by, by Peter himself, who was a personal friend of John and Paul. And I read the, the way that he writes about things compared with others. And I, and I began to be, my interest was very piqued because they had great explanations of the Christian faith, but they were not what I had been taught. Mm. And so I began to continue to do research. And long story short, uh, I became Catholic. There's much more to tell about sure, that. Sure, sure. You can go back and listen to, I think yeah. it was 20, sometime in 2021, I think we, we visited on that. And then you've also been on a numerous other podcasts much more uh, famous than uh, than this little than this little nugget of a <laughs> of a show um you know with yeah with hundreds of thousands of listeners you were on EWTN that's right that's, that's when right. when you were yeah. when you, you so you he he was ordained a deacon uh, in the diocese of Hartford Connecticut and then moved here to be close to family and mm -hmm. so when i found out he was coming out you know what's the first thing you do when you're like want to know about somebody you google them and i found Tom Cabine, and that was before you were a deacon, I think. Oh yes, on yeah. on the journey home, on yeah. EWTN, the Eternal Word Television Network. And I was only on there because it's so unusual for a Jehovah's Witness to end up being a Catholic. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are very, very anti-Catholic, and so it was. That's a big, a big a shift. Strange thing. A big shift. Well, here in the parish, we um, just hired. Um, a new uh, staff member. Uh, his name is Corey Hicks. He's the director. We call him the director of evangelization and formation. So he's overseeing um, adult formation and Bible studies and just all kinds of great stuff to help parents, to help adults, to to know their faith and be able to uh, just encounter the Lord Jesus as we all want to do. Um, and so, in a to kind of help Corey get off to a good start, we are. This is good timing because this is the time of year when we are beginning. Um, what we simply call becoming Catholic. Um, it's, it's called in other places RCIA, the Rite of Christian Initiation of Adults. It's also called OCIA, the Order of Christian Initiation of Adults. But it's, it's a process by which a, a person who is not currently Catholic, or maybe even someone who grew up Catholic but has been away from the church, so maybe that describes you if you're, if you're listening or someone you love, um, and we're beginning that here in the month of August, and so we thought this would be a good a good time to kind of talk through. And Deacon Tom's kind of a knows a lot of theology, but then has been through it himself. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, of, of what that process is. What is how does one become a Catholic? Uh, why why would somebody want to do that? Uh, and and just yeah, talk through sort of how how that happens. So maybe just talk through like what. Why is there a process? Why can't why can't somebody just show up on a Sunday and say, "I'm I'm a Catholic"? Great question, and it's because the Catholic faith is is very very structured. It's kind of surprising when you first begin studying it. When I began to study it, and I realized that this is a faith that's really been thought through, and it's it's really. Uh, we have a lot of theology. What people seem to see when they look at the Catholic Church, they look at the things that are different from, let's say, an average Protestant church, and they see these things that are quite visible, particularly devotions to Mary, for example, or, or the rosary, or processions and things like that that, are vi- that you wouldn't find in a Protestant church. And they say, well, this is what the Catholic faith is about. And that's not really the externals. correct. You, yeah. You're seeing lots of externals. You see, you, you go to a a, uh, a church, and although we have a uh, you're a, a pastor who's a good preacher and preaches very well, if you go to a Baptist church, the centerpiece of the service is the sermon, and the sermon is often. 30, 40 minutes sure, long. Sure, or longer. Because yeah. there's so a typical uh, uh, evangelical service might be some praise and worship music, some uh, uh, experiences maybe, but very shortly the pastor will get up and start on and have a long uh, uh, sermon uh, in which he or she will pick out of the Bible some passage yep. that they like. Yep. In the Catholic Church, it's very, very different. The Mass is very structured, which means that the priest looks at a book and, and reads out of the book the various prayers and, and parts of, of, the, of the, what we call the liturgy. And the liturgy really is a word that means the work of the people. This is the public worship. And so I, I wondered, uh, where did this come from? Was it developed in the Middle Ages? Uh, when, when did this liturgy come into place? And the answer to this was absolutely shocking to me when I first found, it, found out about it. Because I discovered that the, what we currently call the Mass is divided into a, a, a first section, which is we call the Liturgy of the Word, in which we read the Bible. We simply, in fact, I was shocked to find out that a Catholic church reads more of the Bible than a Baptist church, because rather than taking some little passage that the pastor happens to like and preaching on, let's say, the Book of Romans, I must have heard a thousand sermons about the Book of Romans. But in the Catholic church... The, we have a lectionary that's been divided up so that we, we read in a, in a very structured way in, in, the, in a three-year cycle about 80-90% of the whole Bible, including books that they don't even have in a Baptist yeah, church, yeah. like Maccabees For and sure. uh, 
And so you will, if you, go to, if you were to go to daily Mass, you would hear most of the Bible read every, every three years. Mm-hmm. And then the, the prayers that are, that are said are said according to liturgical seasons. There's times when we're... Uh, Ordinary time, Advent, that's Lent, right. Easter, yes. Christmas. Yep. And, and these seasons, they, they, they're cyclic, like, kind of like the, they're like the seasons like the of seasons, the years. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so what happens is the, the, there's a, always the sort of centerpiece of the liturgy of the Word is the reading of the Gospel. And again, I was, I was pleasantly surprised to find that people stand up to show respect for the reading of the mm-hmm. gospel because these are the words about our Lord Jesus and what he said and did. And we, and we have a little, when we process into the church, we, we hold the, we have a book, we hold it up and we show this is the book of the gospels. So there's this, the centerpiece of that half of the mass is the reading of the gospel and that's followed by the, the, the priest or deacon giving a, a, a homily and then we get up and we declare what the Catholic faith is. Every single week I we believe say, here's what God, the Catholic the Church Almighty. is. And the, yeah, exactly, it's exactly right. The creed is just what we believe. And then there's the l- second half of the Mass, which is the liturgy of the Eucharist, and the, the, the uh, miraculous changing of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ is the centerpiece of that half of the Mass. And then we all share in that. Now, again, this was all very strange to me. <clears throat> and yet, we can document very easily that when Jesus introduced the Eucharist to his disciples, they, they started doing this. In fact, on the day that Jesus was resurrected, he met two disciples leaving Jerusalem on their way to Emmaus. He, and he had basically a mass with them. He explained the scriptures. It says that he opened all of the scriptures to them and explained all the places in, the, in what would have been the Old Testament that referred to him. Then they went to these disciples' house. He was, they didn't even recognize him. And, and when he broke the bread, that was kind of a code word in the early mm-hmm. church for the Eucharist. When he broke the bread, they recognized him and he disappeared. And from then on, there's a very, there's great documentation that the, that the apostles, they just picked up the liturgy of the synagogue and that became the liturgy of the word. Mm-hmm. And then the second became replace the temple sacrifices. So Jesus, the, the Passover lamb was sacrificed and from then on uh, that's what they did. Now here's the interesting part about this. In the book of Luke he tells us that Jesus appointed 70 men to go ahead of him to the different towns and mm-hmm. prepare them. So we know that when Jesus talked to people, he talked not for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, uh, but... He would stay he'd for stay, days. Yeah, yeah. For days. And he, tra- he, he, he trained these men. Well, in the second century, when I was reading the writings of these early Christians to try to find out about the early church, I found out that 
uh, uh, St. Hippolytus makes a list of where these 70 men went. And of all of them, a few of them were martyred. One of them be- was Matthias, who replaced Judas on the, uh, on the 12. Uh, a couple of them were evangelists. About 55 of them became bishops in places all over the world. What does that tell you? It means that the very first generation of bishops included a great number of men who had been trained personally by Jesus. By Jesus, yeah. And that's where all of this came from. So the Mass that is celebrated today in a Catholic church is, if someone came here from the first century, they would recognize it perfectly, immediately. It has changed almost not at all since the very first wow. century. So, so when somebody comes, you know, if, so, if somebody just shows up on a Sunday and says, I want to be Catholic. We have people right now. There's a number of people that we're already, we already know, we're already working with. Mm-hmm. Who have, who's, who have come to us and said, I want to be Catholic. We, we don't just immediately say, I mean, we immediately say, <laughs> great, awesome, welcome, okay. But there's, a, there's this process. There's this, there's this multi-month, right. ye, perhaps even year-long process. Why, help people understand the why of that. Good, good question. And thanks for getting me back a little bit on yeah. track. I kind of got <laughs> no, off no. the, the, the. But the, I think part of it is, you know, you, d- to just show up and 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 to, you can't. You're not just going to show up to the mass on Sunday and know what's going on, and we want you to know what's going on. That's exactly the point. The Catholic faith is very, very structured, as I said, and 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 we want everybody to understand what it is that we're doing. So we have a catechism, and a catechism is a book of Catholic teaching. And the catechism is patterned, it's divided into four sections. How Catholics, uh, what Catholics believe, and that is patterned after the Apostles' Creed. The whole section of the catechism just goes through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Church, the whole thing, that's the first part. Then we have... uh, how Catholics behave, and that's based on the Ten Commandments. We just go through. Well, that's the, the third the Ten part. Yeah, second part is the uh, sacraments. So yeah, right. I got them out of order. Yep. But uh, and and I, I was going to put the sacraments last, just because. Feel free. Uh, feel so, free. Feel free. Another part is how we pray, and that's the Lord's Prayer. Yep. We simply go through the Lord's Prayer, yep. and we talk about all the things. And you'd just be shocked at how much there is in just. The Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the in the Apostles' Creed, and then we come to the part which is, as Father said, it's the it. second it's in a, the yeah. Catechism. But it's something that before I started reading about the Catholic Church, I had never heard of sacraments. We never talked about sacraments in our Baptist Church, and I had a really big question about this: what do, What are these sacraments? What What do they do? And in order to do that, uh, I, I had to start reading up from the catechism and to find out, what about this? And then I found that, this, again, the sacramental economy goes all the way back to the very, very beginning. That, that rather than God, at the end of our life, if we've tried to live a good life, just snaps his fingers and makes us holy, he put in place a process by which in this life we can actually be freed from sin 
and remade into the image of Christ. And share. I love the line of like we sh- we get to share in His life. Exactly. That's what the the sacraments give us: God's life. His that's grace. That's what we call grace. Exactly. And so, the sharing of God's supernatural life with us through the sacraments. That's something that we need to understand. And before so you just we, yeah, you before just you just jump, in jump into because it because you won't understand yep. what's going on. Yep. And and you need to understand for two reasons. One is so that you can fully participate, and the other is because it's so wonderful that once you get it and see what a wonderful thing it is, you don't want to be without it. Yep. So yeah, it's it's beautiful. So <laughs> when we when when somebody comes again, people are already coming. Um, and they say, "I want to. I want to be Catholic." We we s- kind of sign them up for, and in our parish, it varies from parish to parish. But on Tuesday nights, we are on Tuesday nights. We we call it becoming Catholic, and we're going to start here in just a couple weeks. And we, it you know, so it's heavy on community, right? We're getting to know each other, meeting new people. There are in that group um, people who want to become Catholic. But also there are people who are already Catholic. So the priests, the deacons, uh, Corey, you know, who's going to be who's going to be running it, and then a series of other people who just are either interested in learning more or just want to be of support to these possible new Catholics. So you're so there's a community part. We're meeting people. There's food. We have dinner every on Tuesday nights. Um, so this meets on Tuesday nights from from basically from six to eight. There's mass at five thirty, dinner at six, and then the kind of the more formal program from six thirty to eight. Um, and over the next nine months, we will, as much as we can, walk through the faith. Um, so we, so if you think about what kind of questions does the new, you know, I mean, what you had, you had questions about when you were becoming Catholic, questions about authority, questions about the Bible, questions about uh, the sacraments, sacraments about yeah. Mary and the saints, uh, what what do Catholics believe about salvation, heaven and hell. Uh, what what were other things that there, were on your mind? Well, there, there's one big thing, and that is that there's a huge amount of misinformation about the Catholic Church. People say, well, you people worship Mary. No, we don't worship Mary. But what you think of as possibly worship, we're going to explain what we're really doing and why asking Mary to pray for us is not the same as worshiping Mary. Yeah, uh, people want to know about things like the Inquisition. They want to know about things like the Crusades, uh, things that they may have heard about Catholics that are not true. That's not true, right? So we do want to. That part of that process is if somebody is coming with misconceptions or you know, uh, we yeah, we want to help. Sort of, sort of navigate those. Um, when you went through RCIA and 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 the group that we'll have now, every year we have people. There's lots of different kinds of people who join RCIA. Um, there's That's people right. who have never been to church. So a couple years ago, we had a gentleman who grew up in South Korea, grew up Buddhist, um, had never really, but he married a Catholic, so had come around a little bit, um, but had never really been. To, to a Catholic church. So there's those, there's those people. Mm-hmm. There's people who already go to a church currently. They're Baptist, they're Lutheran, they're, but, are, but are wanting to know more about, we would say, the fullness of truth to come into full communion with the church. There's probably, every year, there's also people who 
were Catholic or grew up Catholic, fell away, went and became something else. Um, did I? Are there other? Who, who did I miss in there? That's 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 a good sort of a good category. Or people, yeah, who are maybe already Catholic, but looking to go deeper. Um, what what were you? I was I was a, an evangelical Protestant that was very deeply into theology and interested in knowing about how things were supposed to work in in the Christian economy, but I couldn't get answers to my questions. I couldn't get satisfying answers. And the, and the problem was that it always came down to me. What I mean by that is uh, if I had selected one commentator or pastor or someone that I really liked uh, and, and another one that I didn't like so much had a completely different message but, but was based on the, the scriptures, <laughs> had scriptural proof apparently, I had no way of selecting them. I had no way of knowing, well, if, huh. if this guy is saying what's right or wrong, I needed something where I could learn about the Christian faith and be sure that what was being told to me was absolutely true. And that's where another very difficult doctrine for new people, it, it, it is the doctrine of the infallibility of the church and by extension the infallibility of the Pope under certain circumstances. But um, the idea is that you need a source of knowledge that you can trust. You need to know, is this true or not? Because from the very early church, it was a matter of staking your life on this. Uh, today we're, I mean, every day we, we're, we're celebrating feasts and we're reading about priests and and people who are who are martyred for the faith. Sure. And so, are we ready to die for this or not? You've got to know well, if it's true yeah. if you're going to die for it. Yeah. So I love that. So you know, each person who becomes Catholic. And we have many of them in our in our parish. I I, I sometimes kind of want to. I'd love to do like a survey of who's who's a convert and who and who's not. Um, what in our just our last few minutes? What advice would you give somebody who's listening to this, who is not Catholic or maybe is away from the church, and are thinking of showing up here on Tuesday nights, uh, or you know wherever they wherever they live, and they're 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 going to reach out to their priest or their pastor. What what advice would you give to them? You were once in their shoes. I <clears throat> I would say truth. This is to quote Peter Kraft. Uh, truth to the mind is as beauty to the eye. Come in with an open mind if you can. Listen to what's said. Think about it. And ask God, if this is true, open my mind to this. Show me mm. that this is true. And you will find, I'm almost certain that you will be very pleasantly surprised. You will enjoy, and you'll find that it's, it's beautiful. There's such beauty in the truths of the Catholic faith. Come in and enjoy it. There is. I mean, it's, it's in, in some ways, I've heard it described as, you know, sort of, it can be like drinking from a fire hose. Uh, you know, there's so much. But I think what we what we try to do, and many parishes try to do, is we we start small. We're not gonna we're not gonna point a fire hose at you. We're gonna 
give it to you in in a very sort of edible uh, little bites on different different topics. Um, the other piece of it is is you know is meeting new people, um, getting to know not just the universal church and the teachings of the church, but the people of the of the church. Um, and they're a lot. I think what you, what what people will find is they're a lot like you. Um, you know, there's nobody in this parish, priests included, who's sort of arrived. You know, we're we're all still working this out and trying to figure it out and and still learning. I mean, you you're a voracious reader. I try to read, listen to a lot of podcasts. I want to learn. I want to know more. Um, and what I love about being a Catholic is that that never ends. There's exactly. this bottomless this bottomless uh, ocean. Uh, anyway, it's just it's just beautiful. Give it a try. Come in, enjoy it, get to know the people. You will be amazed at what you will learn. And and we're going to give you some resources. We give uh, people a Bible if they need one. We give people a catechism, what, what Dick and Tom just talked about. Um, you know, and that can be like in a pretty in, kind of intimidating book. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a big thing, but we're, we're going to, we'll walk you through it. We're going to, we're going to work on it. Um, and then we use a nice little book called Catholicism for Dummies. Uh, you know, just it, don't be as insulted by the title, but it's just a nice introduction to the faith. And then as we go along, introduce you to saints and introduce you to other authors and podcasts and videos and um, all kinds of things that are just going to help somebody um, grow in their faith. Yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful. Well, Deacon Tom, thank you for being with us for Thank the third for the <laughs> time. So come on Tuesday nights. Um, give us a shout at the parish if you're interested in joining up. We would love to see you on Tuesday nights for Becoming Catholic. Have a great day, Payne County.